0: In the fall of 2016, an evangelical research group based in Nashville called Lifeway Research conducted what they claim is a scientific survey of 1,000 random adult Americans. They're asking their subjects about their attitudes towards the Bible. I won't really go into the methodology of the survey here, except to note that I find it rather likely that most folks might fudge their answers just a bit in order to make themselves look better. In other words, if you were called randomly to answer some questions about your own behavior, you might tell the interviewer you usually put the shopping cart back into the corral, or that you donate money more often than you actually do, or that you're an excellent tipper, and so on. What I'm saying is that the numbers they report are likely to be inflated upwards slightly rather than downwards, as far as acceptable social behavior is concerned. Be that as it may, One of their questions was, how much of the Bible have you personally read? Before I get to their findings, let's review some facts. Among Americans, 24% believe that the Bible is the literal word of God. That is, each and every word in the text is completely true and spoken by God. An additional 47% of Americans believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, that is, It is a holy document, though written by people, people who were inspired by God to write it and to write it that way. So if we combine those two numbers, we get 71%, which is almost three out of four Americans who believe the Bible is either literally true or a holy inspired document. All of this comes from a Gallup poll done in 2017. Since 71% of Americans believe the Bible is the word of God in one way or another, either literally or as written by inspired humans, you'd think that roughly that number would have actually read the Bible, that is to say, 71%. Our researchers from Nashville found that only 20% had actually read the whole Bible. 26% hadn't read it at all, or had only read a few sentences, probably quotes here and there, which corresponds exactly with the Gallup poll, which found that 26% believed the Bible is a collection of fables. But the remaining chunk, 54%, had read some of the Bible to some degree. Here's my question then. If almost three out of four people believe the Bible to be either literally true or inspired by the deity, why have only one out of five people actually read the whole thing? Let me be clear here. This is not an attack on religion or Christianity. I know it may sound like that, but I'm trying to make a point in a very roundabout way. What is that point? Well, I'm glad you asked. We have a phenomenon where a holy book, a book which 71% of Americans find very important and possibly even literally the word of God, is not even fully read by more than 20% of Americans. That's a huge, huge gap. My point is that even in a matter that many Americans find vitally important, the status of their eternal souls, they haven't done the reading. Okay, let me get off religion if that's bothering you and move to a more secular example. How many of us have actually read the Constitution? The entire Constitution. The complete document with all 27 amendments is not even 7,600 words long. The final book in the Harry Potter series has 198,227 words. You could read the Constitution 26 times and still not read as much as the Harry Potter book. Do you have full faith and confidence that every senator and representative has read the whole Constitution? Do you believe President Trump has? I think it's safe to argue that these documents, the Bible and the Constitution, are sort of important ones, and many people form opinions about the world based on what's in these documents. Yet they don't know, from first-hand knowledge, what is in those documents. How do we explain this? Seems to me one of the founding myths of America is how we value rugged individualism, the idea that an American can and should be self-reliant, able to function on his or her own with minimal or no assistance from the government or, by extension, from any authority figure. I'm American! I don't need no stinking king or queen to tell me what to do. I was born in a log cabin that I built with my own two hands. I killed me a bar when I was only three. I picked myself up by my own bootstraps. I'm a self-made man. Or woman, but strangely enough, we don't tend to use that gendered phrase, do we? And so on and so on and so on. Then how come we don't read and form our own opinions? We rely on others to tell us what something says or what something means. We let our pastor or priest or rabbi or imam or whomever is standing in the pulpit to tell us what our holy book says and how to interpret it. We let our news pundits scream at us that something is unconstitutional instead of looking it up for ourselves. How can we claim to be the nation of rugged individualism if we're not willing to put forth the mental effort to learn for ourselves? School is there to give us the tools to learn for ourselves. It's not meant to be the end of the process of learning, but the beginning. I know some of you are thinking, wait a second, you're a teacher. You tell people what to think all the time. No, no, no. I show them how to think. So ask yourself, how many books and articles have you read voluntarily as opposed to the ones your English teacher assigned? You've read To Kill a Mockingbird and The Great Gatsby and Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech, sure, but you did that because there was going to be a quiz on it. You may listen to your favorite news pundits scream about a politically different personage and how awful he or she is, even going so far as to make claims about his or her views, but do you go off and check to see if the criticism is even accurate? Or would you rather just hear confirmed what you already believe? Reading and forming opinions based on firsthand knowledge is not easy. It might mean you have to confront your views and examine them, perhaps even change them. We generally don't want to do that. I recall years ago a contentious parent meeting regarding my tenure as head varsity football coach. A belligerent parent said, I think you're a bad coach because you've never taken the team to the playoffs. One of my staunch parent allies who was there at the meeting and you know who you are and I'm forever grateful for your efforts and I remember this spoke up to say yes he has in fact he's the first coach in school history to do so. The complaining parent confronted with this fact decided to keep her opinion regardless of the change in information. Well still was about all she could muster. In other words when confronted with a verifiable fact that directly contradicted her worldview, she chose simply to maintain that view, supported by nothing. Why hadn't that parent looked up the relevant data prior to arriving at her opinion? It would have been easy enough to do. Because she wanted to cling to her opinion regardless of facts. Looking up facts might have meant she would have had to change her opinion. Believers in Christianity generally don't like to change or challenge the basis of their own beliefs. I get that. If one has sunk much emotional cost into a belief system, it's difficult in the extreme to abandon it. As the magician entertainer essayist Penn Gillette says, Read the Bible because we need more atheists, and nothing will get you there faster than reading the damn Bible. Or, if you prefer, Daniel Patrick Moynihan's quote, Everyone is entitled to his own opinion, but not to his own facts. You'll pardon the implicit sexism in the pronouns, such were the times and language. I sort of prefer Harlan Ellison's redub of that. You are not entitled to your opinion. You are entitled to your informed opinion. Can you truly even have an opinion on something you don't know anything about? Shouldn't the strength of our opinions be directly proportional to the proximity and strength of fact? That is, we should soften our beliefs, or perhaps not hold any at all, the further away we are from direct knowledge or observation. The closer we get to truth, the closer we should get to certainty. Allowing someone else to be the arbiter of what you believe seems to me to run counter to the whole rugged individualism idea Americans so embrace. Let me finish with some bluntness. Would I be able to call myself an English teacher if I hadn't read the books I'm teaching? Obviously not. Can you call yourself a Christian if you haven't even read your own holy book? Or a Jew if you haven't read the Torah? Or a Muslim if you haven't read the Quran and so forth? Can you call yourself an American if you haven't read the Constitution? Can you be a citizen of the United States in any real sense of the word? If you refuse to deal in facts and truth but allow your opinions to be dictated by keepers of outrage? If you will not see what is true because it may demand you abandon a belief that comforts you, that you have invested time and energy into, can you be a citizen? For if you do that, if you refuse to seek out objective truth in this age of easy access to information, then you are worse than a subject of king of threads and patches. You are his slave.